Welcome to another edition of Winning Words. This is your host, Ross Joseph. Winning Words, Speaking Life to Influence Others is our format. Today, I'm excited in anticipation just a few days, Father's Day. And so I have with me today, Doug Burton and Mike Skiff, both of which have significant experience in this role we call being fathers. And the title to today's podcast is What Say Fathers? So as you listen, hopefully you'll be able to pick up some coaching points, so to speak, as to what these two, Doug and Mike, have learned in their role as fathers. In a moment, I'll have them describe their family to you so you'll get the context of their opportunity, their challenge in being a father, because it's both and. It's opportunity and it's also challenge. It's also a learning curve. I think we'd all agree. I've been doing it for quite some time, and yet there are days when I'm like, I wish I could have done that over, or I'd like to do that better next time. So a couple of thoughts as we head towards Father's Day. First of all, let me give you some anecdotal reference. Father's Day came out of the dream of a Civil War veteran, and he himself was single. 1910 was the first commemorated Father's Day that's been substantiated, so quite some time ago. But it wasn't until 1972 when President Nixon's administration made Father's Day an actual national holiday. And it happened because first there was Mother's Day. So there's first there was Mother's and then there was as Father's Day. Be. As yeah. it should be. So there we are, a little background on it. So uh, initially, uh, Mike, you're our host today. Let's start with you. Uh, married, how many children? I have seven, so I was chuckling when you said uh, we have uh, experience. Uh, just by <laughs> default of numbers, yeah, seven kiddos. And those kiddos range in age from? Oldest is 17, and the baby is two. So 17 yeah, to two. 17 so to when two. I do the math, there's a 15-year span in 15 there. 15-year span, yeah. And my sense would be that you're parenting the two-year-old a little bit differently than you do the 17-year-old. Just a little bit. Just yeah, a little just bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> so in the range of from 17 to two, seven children. Seven kids, So yeah. Mike Skiff has some significant experience significant, in this. How many yeah. boys, how many girls? Four boys, three girls. Four boys, three and, girls. And just as a side, a side note, we actually, um, six biological, one who we adopted. So we have two 10-year-olds, but they're not twins. They okay. just happen to be... Um, one's adopted, one's biological. And that must be an interesting exercise as well, to have two 10-year-olds yeah, yeah, in the same home. Not everybody has that. <laughs> and both girls. <laughs> and both girls. <laughs> yeah, you very just, interesting. You just multiplied the complexity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, Doug Burton. Yeah, well, I, not that I'm a competitive guy, but I'm already down 7-4. Four. <laughs> four children, uh, four then. Children, four okay. children. And no aspirations for, you know, uh, closing that gap. So we're, yeah. that, that ship yeah, yeah, has yeah. sailed. Uh, yeah, I've got four, three daughters, and and one son ranging from about 25 to 15. And we just recently added grandbaby number one. So Maddox joined the team uh, probably six, seven months ago. Okay. Exciting. exciting. And a 25-year-old, meaning that you've got how many of those three girls, the oldest, um, have graduated from college? Two in college, yep. or two done with college and yep. moved on. One married with uh, the new recent addition. Yes. She married a, a, a guy that she met at George Fox University, and they probably are 
gosh, two or three years into their, their marriage and uh, kind of a COVID wedding that we're learning how to uh, deal <laughs> yeah. with. But um, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a fun journey with that crew. And a couple of things that Doug uh, acknowledged there. One, being a relatively recent grandparent, and that too is a learning curve mm-hmm. because uh, being a veteran in that regard, seven grandchildren in the Gelseth family, it's quite different um, when you're the next to the father, so to speak. You're the grandfather, I'm the papa, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And it's a different perspective. And then secondly, you referenced being a father-in-law, mm-hmm. which yeah. there too, <clears throat> when you... Your daughter marries yeah. a man. There's a relationship there. That's right. And that's one more relationship to manage, work through, get better yep. at, yep. improve, right? Yep. So uh, today as we talk uh, to my listening audience, we want you to gain some insight in terms of this role of fathering. Maybe you'll pick up some advice along the way, so to speak, some yes, you have to's, no, you shouldn't do. And, and just we just want this to be helpful to our listening audience. And again, the title, What Say Fathers? I'm going to verbalize some questions, some thoughts to Mike Skiff and to Doug Burton. And you're going to learn from them as you listen, so to speak, to what I would call some leading questions about fathers. I would suggest to you that fathering is an ongoing learning process. So let's yeah. let's start with, um, gentlemen, let's start with your own father. And describe briefly your father as you came to know him. And then maybe your greatest one or two takeaways that you know for sure we're going in your toolkit as a father. When I get to be a father, I'm going to do just like my dad in this regard, so to speak. So, Doug, let's start with you. Yeah. So, you know, I had the opportunity to, Ross, you'll appreciate this. My dad was a coach in every single thing that he did, whether it be a father, whether it be practically a a 40-year football wrestling coach. And so everything about my childhood was watching my dad coach. And I have this vivid picture. I may have told you this story before, Ross. You had the opportunity to coach with both my dad and myself. I have this picture of my father, and it, I saw it as a, a little guy growing up, as a ball boy, and watching him with uh, players that he coached. Uh, I got to experience it as a player myself. I got to experience it when I was playing uh, college football with he was watching. And it's this picture of my dad standing next to a player with his arm around him and he's mm. pulling them in tight and I know I can feel the grip. I know he's got them tight and he's turned and he's talking in their ear hole. And I know that he is, it's this blend of he's encouraging them. He's telling them who they are and what he expects of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the time there is a admonishment to more. I want more effort, more whatever, a challenge to uh, be the best they can be. There's some tough love in there. Uh, You probably saw that firsthand. There is some times where he was telling them where they were missing the mark. And what was amazing to me was how tough he was. Uh, In every shape uh, you you could evaluate it in, but yet that player, that me as a kid, knew they were loved. Mm-hmm. And it was this, this arm around them, embracing them. I mean, physically, he would do that every single time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they knew they were loved. So even when they were getting an earful of tough love, they knew they were uh, embraced, cared for. It was going to be okay. He was in their corner. 
Um, and it, it blew me away that he could be challenging them more than they've ever been challenged, but they never felt belittled. They never felt like they weren't enough. It was lifting them to more. And he's my hero. Um, there were times he got it wrong. Yeah. Um, I know as a player, there were times that he pushed when he should not have and that he, he missed the mark at times, but there was never a doubt that that player didn't know that he was loved. Even in the midst of, of getting an earful, which I was on the receiving end of a lot, um, there was no doubt that they were cared for and he was in their corner. So as I listened to what Doug just spoke to, three or four things came out. One is encourage. Yep. So speaking positive is a great way to start. And then you talked about arm around, drawing close. So as a father, drawing close is a good thing. It's something that I think men sometimes struggle with comparatively to uh, women and particularly to mothers, so to speak, but drawing close. And then the third thing you talked about was speaking uh, expectation into and sometimes speaking about falling short, but then ending with the admonishment that you're going to do better, we're going to do better. And so I think all of those, what you've touched on, are moments in parenting when each of those types of conversations become a part of being a father, irregardless if it's in a coaching perspective or in a one-on-one -on -one situation with a child. So Mike, from your standpoint, talk about your father and what it is you learned. Mm. Yeah, so there's some similarities with Doug's father, it sounds like. I mean, my dad was... He's a, a quieter gentleman, wasn't out there uh, in a coaching role. He was more behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. and, and, but he demonstrated, um, he demonstrated work ethic. He, he demonstrated love and encouragement mm -hmm. similar to what Doug said. Um, I, I learned how to, um, in the heat of, <laughs> in the heat of the moment when, you, when our kids do things that are, uh, less than ideal or, or somewhat frustrating, you know, having the wherewithal to be calm and cool and collected and, and address the issue without escalating it, you know, and, and I didn't mean to go immediately to conflict, but it was a big thing that sticks out to me uh, with my dad was that he was able to de-escalate. He was able to, uh, and not just de-escalate and, and then move on, but to teach the lesson whatever that lesson was that I needed or my sisters needed mm -hmm. in the moment, being able to um, do so in a manner that was in my, in my looking back, very effective because um, you know, I responded better to that approach versus the harsh, strong disciplinary approach. It was, it was more so, so all that to say he was able to understand with his kids, me being the only boy, and then the, our my two sisters, okay. what was going to be more effective to get the message across? Mm -hmm. Which method was going to work the best? And so I really took that away in my own parenting. All of my kids are different. Now, there's a lot of similarities, mm -hmm. but I understand that disciplining my 10-year-old daughter is going to be look a lot different than the 2-year-old or the 4-year-old. Sure. You know, now, sure. she actually, it's her birthday, 5-year-old. Yep. It's going to be different for each kiddo and and quite frankly different seasons as well so um those were some big takeaways he was always an encourager and he always lifted up 
And so I learned how to how to be a loving father from my dad. The other thing you touched on was the word demonstrate. Um, there's a saying, and I'm not sure where it came from, but I've used it a lot. And the saying is, more is caught than taught. Mm-hmm. And demonstration is a means by which children learn from their fathers. They can right. see their, so you mentioned hard work. So you could see your father in the role of working hard. So you develop an appreciation for that. Right. You also talked about he got the lesson across. And I think uh, the, the word, just a simple three-letter word, the word why, W-H-Y. Lessons in life can be used so effectively to explain the why. So whether it's the why of encouragement, because I see you struggling, or I see you need a lift, so to speak, or it can be the why sometimes of what can be a somewhat critical conversation because of something that happened. I know Ross had a few of those when I was a child from my father. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's move forward with that being the case. You had yourself and two siblings, two sisters. sisters, Doug, in your situation, how many did your father father? Besides all uh, the boys he fathered. Yeah, I would say uh, I have a biological older brother, but I had hundreds and hundreds of what I would consider older brothers in my life. Every two nights a week at our house during football season and the off season, we had a basement full of 40, 50 guys that uh, were, dad was coaching and mentoring and, and uh, it was a common occurrence in the Burton household where I'd come home and there would be kids there that were there to see my parents, there to talk with dad about life struggles. And it was a common occurrence where there were people in our lives that, that my dad was specifically pouring into. Uh, and a lot of the times they were kids that had rough home lives. I think yeah. that was a story of my father just having a, a, a very difficult childhood growing up. Um, and he just was going to invest in people to give them an experience that he didn't have. And to that point, I think one of the, the uh, environments that has increased significantly in our society during the course of my lifespan is the number of what I call blended families where Mm. father, mother, second marriage, bringing children together. And all of a sudden there's that father relationship, but there's the stepfather relationship. And let me just say this, whether you're in either role to be the very best you can be, because I think to your point, there's a lot of youth They're looking for direction, and they need guidance at just the right time. They also need correction at just the right time. Let's move. um, Listening audience, weigh in now. I want want you to give me one word that best describes your role as father now. You got seven, but what what one word would you say best describes your role as father, Mike? Hmm. I mean, what comes to mind immediately, there's a couple words, but the one that I'll say is just leader. Okay. Good. Doug? I would say it comes back to, for me, foundationally love. And I feel like as a dad, and the longer I do this, the more I realize I'm going to get it wrong. And (laughs) practice does not make perfect. Um, And I would say (laughs) what I have defaulted in is there is no doubt that my kids know they are loved. And regardless of what they've done, whether it's Excel or whether it's struggle, they know they are loved. Yeah. And, and they don't need to assume it. 
Yeah. They hear it constantly, yeah. even when they don't want to hear it. And that is a, it's a physical piece of that. There is that embracing. There is that, um, sometimes they don't want to hear it. Um, and, and so for me, it's just been, uh, first of all, there's love. So yeah. for our listening audience, we go from the role of the father as a leader, mm-hmm. uh, which is so true. It, it, biblically, the father is to be the head of the household. And being the head of the household means that you provide not only for the household, but in doing so, you provide leadership. Mm-hmm. Biblically, the reference over and over, we shall be known by our love. So what you've touched on, so if you look at this from a fathering perspective, think leadership, being the head of, take leadership. At the same time, provide love throughout. What do you enjoy most about being a father? Doug? <laughs> wow. You know, I would say um, as my kids have gotten older, and I see it at every single age, it's when they start to become adults and they, they start to make decisions on their own, our role as fathers change, right? We mm-hmm. become advisor more so than uh, that it's our ultimately responsible, you know, our ultimate responsibility. And so when you watch your children do things that you know they have seen modeled or done, uh, there's such a joy in that, that you have planted seeds and now they make it those choices on their own. Because I think so many times, especially with teenagers and teenage daughters, and uh, I'm, I've got my youngest here, I'm learning what it takes to raise a teenage boy as a fifth, with a 15-year-old. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the moment, uh, as with any coach or leader, you don't necessarily see the fruit of what you've been trying to pour yeah. into and train. Mm-hmm. So good. Uh, quite frankly, a lot of times you don't. You see the opposite, whether that be them wanting to figure it out on their own. Um, but I think that there is great joy when you see them say things, articulate things. I, there are There is not a day that goes by that I don't do something, whether it be in business or as a parent, that I don't go, oh my gosh, that was my father. That, that was my father. Now, hopefully I do it a little differently than him because I'm not him. Mm-hmm. But I think that's probably one of the greatest joys of watching your kids um, hold on to the things that were taught to them or modeled for them that uh, are, are positives. Mike, what do you enjoy most? Yeah, everything Doug said. <laughs> <laughs> but it is interesting looking at the, you mentioned that 15-year span. Mm-hmm. So I'm. it's just fascinating right now watching my 17-year-old really mature into a young man and, and make some decisions that are just, you know, fill me with pride, mm-hmm. right? Like I, as if I am responsible. I know that I played a part, but just, you know, having the Lord's blessing over his life is the reason he's making those decisions. I'm a, I'm a vessel, but seeing those decisions and then looking at the two-year-old figuring out how to string a word or two or a sentence almost together. And, and, and it's like, it's, it's, it's fascinating. It brings me a lot of joy to see the two different spectrums. We call them the bookends. We've nicknamed them the two boys, you know, (laughs) and 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 they have the two of them have this amazing relationship, but there's just so much joy in watching them figure it out. Like you said, Doug, just, you know, you can explain it all, all you want, but to your point earlier, way more is caught than taught and, and seeing them catch those things and, and then implement them. I didn't have to, you know, there are things that I observed that I I didn't, I never talked about that. They just caught on and, and are, 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 you know, demonstrating that behavior on their own. And so watching them learn and grow is, it's just an absolute joy. 
And to that point, to our listening audience, uh, I would suggest to you that we plant seeds sometimes intentionally, sometimes they get planted unintentionally, but they get planted, but it takes time for a seed to germinate and grow. So we don't see the fruit of our parenting, so to speak, sometimes until 5, 10, 15 years later when we all of a sudden we witness what we just heard from Doug and Mike talk about. You see your children doing something that you know you poured into them and it becomes a reality. Let's move to the next piece is when you look back, when you've been parenting for 17 years, and you, 25, what do you wish you would have known when you started on the journey? That's so a great when, you, question. when your daughter was yeah. born, you know, or your yeah. son is born, what do you wish you would have yeah. known? I, I remember a, a, a conversation with my wife of 28 years, Christy, uh, very, very distinctly. And my mix of kids is three daughters and then my youngest being mm-hmm. a boy. And I remember uh, going through teenage years with daughters and just being so frustrated. Like, mm. and and, a, and a, I remember sitting down and I was kind of ranting one night and I didn't deserve the way that she talked to me in this. And why is she doing this? And, and it was kind of all this, you know, what is, what did I do? Why are you, you know, acting crazy? And I remember my wife very, uh, she's a very quiet woman, but when she speaks, there's significant wisdom there. Mm-hmm. And she got after me and goes, Doug, will you stop making it about you? Mm. Their behavior and what they're going through and their seasons are not always about you. Stop <laughs> looking at it through that mm. filter. And I, I was frustrated because I just got, got it handed to me. Yeah, yeah. But I think there was a reality <laughs> when I stepped back and thought, it isn't about me. It isn't yeah. about what yeah. I did or didn't do or deserve that behavior. And, yeah. it, and it let me off the hook a little bit like every one of us went through is they got to figure it out on their own mm-hmm. and you're teaching and coaching. It's the same thing, Ross and coaching football, it, the, the, the player or the kid has got to figure it out on their own. And it isn't about what you did or haven't done there. Obviously there's a huge influence on in that, but I think for me, it, it stepped back and go, man, I'm going to give you my best. I'm going to do my very, very best yeah. to lead and guide and correct and discipline and uh, give yourself a little bit of grace. Being a parent is hard. Raising kids is difficult, and it isn't always about you. Good. Uh, it's about the kids. And I think that, that gave me a better perspective to let them be who they are and figure it out on their own, guide and still have my arm around them, but yet uh, not feel that pressure that, especially in the moment, it isn't about us. Yeah, Mike, into that point, let's move to my next point. And Doug kind of is leading us that direction. When you talk about being a father in today's world, when you look at the world within which your children are being raised, talk about it being a father in the context of more than just the walls of your home, but preparing your children within the world that they're growing up in, different than the world that you grew up in. So talk about that, the role of father in the world today. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, this, this may get me in trouble or be an unpopular opinion but (laughs) i think now more than ever i mean fatherhood is extremely important in our culture in in the world um we we see you know brokenness and we see all sorts of terrible things that happen in this world and in a lot of not not a broad brush but a lot of times you can trace that back to the lack of 
a strong father figure in someone's life. And then there, let me stop you right sure. there. There's a world of difference between a father and a strong father providing direction for someone's life. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean authoritative, mm-hmm. but being a father needs to be at some point in time an act of strength. Yeah. People aspire to be around strong leadership. So in that regard, I think Mm -hmm. the world, as you speak to, the need for strong parenting, strong fatherhood, strong leadership in the home. Yeah. Good. Yeah, and and so for, you know, you asked what what do I hope beyond just me being their father, what do I hope they take away is I hope they see and I'm able to demonstrate even even as a uh, a flawed man, you know, knowing I am far from perfect. Welcome to the club. <laughs> at least, yeah, yeah. At least they would see demonstrated um, what fatherhood is for my daughters, so that mm-hmm. when they get to that point where they're yes. looking for a husband, yes, that yes, they understand yes. what they should be looking for. And for my boys to know how to lead, how to be that father figure, how to be a good husband, you know. And again. Um, certainly far from perfect in that arena, but at least, you know, giving them a, a foundation, um, and, and more, more so than what I can provide, bringing them up to understand and to choose to follow after the Lord, right? They, mm-hmm. that's their decision. Now I was raised in a home where it wasn't a decision. I, that was what my family dictated. Now I'm not upset about that in hindsight, but there was a period of rebellion as a result that I, mm. I walked away for a while and came back. Mm-hmm. And uh, so setting them up to the point where they decide on their own to follow after Christ. And, and that, that's the, the, the big picture in my mind. That's If I can give them that, mm-hmm. I've succeeded as a father. To that point, Doug, um, what, do we, what do you think, as a man of faith, what do you think you draw most from your, from your heavenly father? that you infuse into your family? Well, I think the biggest thing would be grace uh, Mm. in that um, every one of us can think of seasons in our life and whether it be when we were growing up or whether it be yesterday where we fall short. Um, It's, it's, it's a part of, uh, it's a part of life. And I think for me, the grace I have been afforded when I was off track or when I was missing the mark um, and that model, uh, as a believer, um, that model of grace is, is something that has to be transferred to our kids. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to make mistakes. That's what's going to shape them and, and make them all they were designed to be. And so finding those moments where we let them fall, we mm-hmm. let them fall. So they're, we're not, we're not far away. We're there to pick them up and they know that, but yet that's where their character is going to be shaped and it's going to be who they become. Um, so grace for ourselves as parents when we get it wrong and grace for them when they are trying to figure it out and they have to on their own because they we don't want them to be like us they weren't created to be like us in that sense they're their own individual person and they're wired and created to be their own unique person and they're going to stumble i think it's how we come alongside them and love them in that process can i Uh, interject one thing ross so bringing that up made me think of um, something that if I were to answer that question, what did I wish I knew? And it's not at all about necessarily fatherhood, but it's more about lower, lower your, uh, what's the right way to say this? I don't want to say have low standards, but expectations. 
be gracious to yourself and to mm. your spouse. <laughs> yeah. Because again, every, every experience is different. You, we, we don't know all the answers as dads, mm-hmm. as husbands, mm-hmm. as, as leaders. We don't. <laughs> and I wish I would have been easier on myself um, early on, or more gracious is a better way to say it, mm-hmm. um, and, and lowered those standards a little bit, knowing that at, at the end of the day, like our job, especially when they're little, is to ju- just make sure they stay alive, right? <laughs> just, just get them to the point where they survive, you know, toddlerhood. And then, and then from there, even with my 17-year-old, like, yes, the, the, the mission is a little bit different. But knowing that I, I'm still not going to get it all right with him, you know, and everything in between. Like, just allow grace to yourself as a dad, as a mom. Allow god's grace to yourself as well because oftentimes we can be harder on ourselves and be our own worst critics and and um i would just offer that as encouragement be gracious to yourself and that that leads me to a thought in my book winning words there's a saying from a gentleman that sent this to me and the saying is be where your feet are and it's a great coaching point in terms of i think as a father with seven or with four or in our case we had two sons but my sons needed me to be with them. They needed me to be not just physically in the room, but with them mentally and with them spiritually as they're going through things in life. And so I would encourage fathers, whether you have one, three, five, whatever the number is, at some point in time, you need individual time with each one of those children and you need to be present not just physically you got to be present mentally you got to be present spiritually with them you've got to be with them that they feel you're with them let's wrap this up with uh let's give some advice okay so i'll let either one of you respond first but in the context of 2022 as we're heading to father's day and knowing get a listening audience that's going to be a combination of some fathers, some mothers, some people just tuning in. But what advice would you give fathers? Just based upon your wealth of knowledge, having raised and raising seven and four respectively, you've learned a lot. What advice would you give? You know, I would say um, the biggest piece of advice I would give is keep going. Mm. It's going to be hard. It's mm-hmm. it's going to be challenging. There there are going to be moments of the highest highs and the lowest lows. Yeah, it's good. And That's and, good. and again, um, you know, culturally, sometimes it it the messaging we hear is yeah, it's just, it's fine. You can you can give up. It's no big deal. Mm. I would say don't give up. Keep going, um, even when it is hard. Yeah. Especially when it is hard, keep going. And the the second piece of that though would be is that you're not in this on your own. There are fathers like the three of us here sharing today that are excited, willing, able, looking for opportunities to speak life into other fathers. So if you feel like you're alone, you're not alone. And, and if you really listening right now, you feel completely alone, just give me a call. Reach out to me. <laughs> yeah. I will talk and encourage you and, and help you. Um, and this is a guy who's raising seven, so he's got, <laughs> he's got a pretty good perspective. Yeah. He can draw from a wealth of, yeah. wealth of knowledge. Doug, yeah. what advice? Yeah, I would say, um, I would say the advice I would give would be something that I have, have enjoyed been on, being on the receiving end of myself. It is... Don't just think it, speak it. Speak life into your children. Uh, speak life into who they are, 
what you see in them, what you believe they are going to become, and don't hold those thoughts. Um, I think be very intentional and deliberate and speaking life into those kids. Mike, you just talked about speaking life. Uh, they have to hear it. They have to hear it uh, repeatedly. There is never too much. And it, and it isn't always a, a warm, fuzzy type of, um, you're amazing, you're doing great. It's, yeah. it is, there is life in tough love. There is speaking life in success and in when they get it right. Uh, but do not be passive in your speaking truth and life into your children. Um, and, and the coolest deal is, is, is if you're listening right now, do it now. Sit down, take a minute. What is it that you feel like your kids or your wife or whoever needs to hear? And don't be passive. Don't sit on it. Speak it into existence. Speak it into truth and be deliberate yeah. about it. Sit across from them on date night. Look them in the eye and speak into existence who you see them to be and what they've done and, and be intentional and deliberate about it. And sometimes they'll squirm. They're not in a spot where they can receive that. Um, but man, do not let a day go by where you miss an opportunity to speak life and truth into your kids. Good. Gentlemen, thank you for being with us. As I summarize this today, I, I'm thoughtful of you know the history of Father's Day and the context of what you learn from your own fathers, and then you get into fathering your family that you have, and different in each one of your cases, different in my case, and yet there's some common ground. We've covered common ground, everything from encouragement to speaking life, to being present, to being uh, gracious to yourself. And I would suggest, too, that part of effective fathering is coming alongside the children's mother. Mm -hmm. Parenting is not a one-person role. It's designed to be a (laughs) a father and a mother in the home. But we can learn a lot from one another. We get perspective. I know I gained an awful lot of perspective in raising my two sons based upon information Ronnie would share with me as to how my boys were responding to something I had asked them to do or told them they should do. And I might have been a bit too direct. (laughs) She would bring that loving (laughs) role back and say, well, Ross, next time you might want to consider. And I knew right there, you know what, I'm a change. But I I want to close this by, again, uh, when you mentioned speaking life, Um, there's a phrase I came across many years ago, and it's this. Love them as they are until they become what God wants them to be. Mm. We're all on a path of development as people, and we're on that path, and God helps determine the outcome. We can pour a lot in along the way, but ultimately God determines the opportunities, the people that come in contact with our children as they get older, and as a result, he is the author and the finisher. And so love them as they are until they become what God wants them to be. And we're yeah. all a work in progress in that regard. So I want to thank both of you for joining. I want to uh, look at our fathers on Father's Day. And, and you look at that and you say, let yourself be celebrated. As men, yeah. we have a tendency sometimes to look at Father's Day different than Mother's Day. Mothers they anticipate the gifts, they anticipate the flowers, and men aren't so much for flowers. But the reality is, let your kids appreciate you on Father's Day. And let this time be of encouragement to you. None of us has got it all figured out. But enjoy yeah. the journey. And thanks again for being with us on this session of Winning Words, where we speak life to influence others. And we hope that this encourage, this podcast has been an encouragement to you in your role of fathering 
grandfathering, father-in-lawing, stepfathering, whatever it might be. So thanks again. God's very best to you.